On this score to screen, my guest is award-winning composer, artist, songwriter, producer, and creator, Ilan Eshkeri. With an eclectic body of work that encompasses music written for concert hall and theater performances, along with film, television, and video game scoring, my conversation with Elon will focus on two recent projects, the soundtrack for the BBC series A Perfect Planet, whose album releases via Sony Music, and music from the Sony Interactive PlayStation 4 video game Ghost of Tsushima, Elon's collaboration with Shigeru Mebayashi, and whose soundtrack album release is via Records. Hi Alon, thanks for joining us on this edition of Score to Screen. Hi, thanks for having me on. A Perfect Planet is your fourth collaboration with Sir David Attenborough, who narrates the series. Tell us a bit about what it's like working with this legendary broadcaster, writer, and naturalist. It's always a huge honor to work with somebody like Sir David Attenborough, of course. You know, it was funny having done two TV shows and one virtual reality show and and one of the TV shows, I won some prizes on it. So I kind of scratched the David Attenborough itch, if you know what I mean. But this new show, it was so special in the message about climate and about how we as human beings need to change to preserve our planet and the education about how the planet works. That message was so important to me and it meant so much to me that I really was very inspired to take this opportunity again. David is of course a major creative force in these things but he's not the producer or the director so I don't have an ongoing conversation with him about my creative process. That happens with the series producer, in this case, Hugh Cordy, and the other two directors. And so, especially on this programme, because of lockdown, I didn't get any chances to interact with David. Previously, I'd recorded at Abbey Road Studios, and he came down for the session. And that was an extraordinary experience, because it was November, and he left just before the lunch break. And I went out to speak to the orchestra, and I walked up onto the podium. And remember, this is November. A butterfly flew down and landed on the podium. Everyone was just stunned into silence. I mean, how was it possible that a butterfly in a recording studio, which is pretty separated from the outside world, could suddenly appear? And I always like to think it was David somehow magically showing his approval of the music. aware before working on the project, but I'm sure you became acutely aware of this delicate balance between the systems that support life and what we need to do to ensure their future stability. Absolutely. I considered myself, before I did this project, to be somebody who cared a lot about the climate and sustainability and somebody who knew a lot about it. I read about it, but honestly, there was so much more for me to learn. And I think the other thing that's really important to remember is that the perfect balance of our planet that sustains life sustains our type of life. We could unbalance the planet and I guarantee you life will carry on on our planet. The weather and the systems may become so unbalanced that it becomes unlivable for human beings and for all large mammals, but other types of animals will continue to thrive. So we shouldn't be so arrogant as to think that we're the only thing that matters here. 
creating a series like this and our responsibility to engage, educate and inspire the next generation? I think it's absolutely a huge responsibility on all of us and I really hope that in my own small way the music I contribute to this series helps to educate and one of the things that I did is I used children's choirs on the main theme song which is called A Perfect Planet. time of recording these kids, these school choirs, we couldn't tell them what they were singing. But when we did tell them, after the fact, what they were involved in, they were so inspired and their teachers were inspired. And I've had lots of messages back from these kids all over Britain and their teachers saying how much they've enjoyed watching the series. And so if it's possible to inspire and educate through music in that way, that's something that I would like to do more of. But I do think the responsibility is incumbent on all of us. Speaking as a parent, I see myself, hear myself talking to my five-year-old daughter and I'm teaching her to recycle, I'm asking her not to waste food and talking to her in terms that I was never spoken to as a child in the late 70s and the early 80s. Thinking about recycling would have been a very niche idea back then. And so we're educating our children in a different way and if every parent can be educated to teach every child to think about the environment and sustainability and recycling and all these ideas, then the next generation will grow up with a different world view and they'll be the next world leaders, the next business leaders, the next scientists, but underpinning everything will be a way of seeing the world that is different to our generation. Well, there aren't words to express how important I think that is. With footage filmed in 31 countries across six continents, the series explores how forces of nature such as volcanoes, sunlight, weather, and oceans drive, shape, and support the Earth's great diversity of wildlife. Was composing each part of the series uniquely challenging or unconventional for this reason? I have a couple of answers to that. The first thing to say is whenever you compose music for a series like this, it is absolutely a marathon because often if you're writing music for a series or a film, you write your themes for your characters and those things keep repeating. But a series like this is basically 50 short films. You have one character turns up and it's these ants and they do something in that last three, four minutes. And then you meet some other animals and they do something completely different. They've got a different story. And in fact, they are literally short films. And each of these stories I would look at and I'd say, okay, well, this one's like a heist. This one's like an unrequited love story. I'd work out what they were and write the music from there.
also found that with these series that often they just roll on. You get one music and it leads to another bit and leads to another bit of music and leads to another bit of music. And I really wanted to anchor this in the main theme, this sort of Mother Earth theme, which is voices and sometimes piano and these arpeggios and string. But it was really important that it was this choir singing. And so in between the different episodes, you keep coming back to this main theme, which is also the front title, the end title, and the single I talked about with the kids' choirs on it. meeting at Silverback at the production company and I spoke to Hugh the series producer I said to him look this is my fourth project with David and if I'm going to do this I don't want to do this in the traditional way that you normally do these shows with a symphonic style of music I'd like to do this in a more contemporary way and perhaps a little more risky approach thing and they were really up for it but it is a lot of synths and a lot of guitars as well as bits of orchestra And the final episode examines the impact that humans have on the natural world. Is there a defined climax to the series? Yes, I think that that's one of the other things that really drew me to this show is that the first four episodes explain how our planet works, but then the final episode is like a thriller. Suddenly, having been given all this information, we're then thrust into this world where, all right, now you know how the planet works. This is where it's going wrong, and this is how bad it is. And the first time I watched it, it was like a kick in the gut. I was really physically quite affected by it and upset by it. They only had the first half hour of it, so there wasn't the bit where they started showing the initiatives of how we're trying to improve stuff. It was just all, <laughs> all negative. But it is possible. We can change it around. Human beings, you know, we're incredibly smart when we put our minds to it. We can achieve things and we can achieve them quickly and we need to tackle climate with the same urgency and I think really that the message of the fifth episode. That's why the music I wrote, the main theme is so hopeful and so bright because there is hope and it is possible. We are in a bad situation but human beings have a miraculous way of solving extraordinarily difficult and complex problems and coming out on top. So that's the job at hand. Let's move to your collaboration with Shigeru Nebayashi in creating the music for the action-adventure game Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> 
backdrop of the game is set in the late 13th century and depicts the Mongol Empire's campaign to conquer the East, and the samurai warrior resolved to set aside traditions and protect his people. Can you discuss writing music for the game's different avatars? Ghost was a huge challenge. There was a desire from the game company Sucker Punch and from Sony for the music to have great authenticity. And this challenge is one of the reasons why I agreed to take the project on. I really liked this idea of having to learn Japanese music. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And I did it, but tip of the iceberg. But I studied for weeks with a professor. And then I spent a lot of time with the musicians learning the instruments and learning how to write for the instruments. And so part of it was understanding that the Japanese music was centered around, mostly around two kinds of pentatonic scales. And then I decided I was just gonna write everything, even all the orchestral music, based around these pentatonic scales. And so it's quite hard when you're used to writing chromatically with 12 notes. To suddenly be restricted to five notes and also to understand all the limitations of the instruments but you know i like this idea that there's no art without resistance from the medium by which i mean if you're an artist and you can only afford small canvases then you become famous for making small paintings right so the restrictions are somehow inspire creativity and so that's how i looked at it and i ended up with the orchestral elements of it because japanese music is really just about single lines of melody repeated on different instruments they don't really have a tradition of a chordal harmony but I needed that for the orchestra. So I developed a system of chords based on these pentatonic scales. On one level, it was a very intellectual project, an awful lot of study. But then on another level, I was a little bit reluctant to take it on board because, you know, I was like, oh, this is a violent slashing samurai thing. You know, I don't know creatively what I've got to say about somebody just slicing people up with a sword. That is entertaining and people like to play those kinds of games, but emotionally it doesn't connect. As an artist I have nothing to say about that. But then when I met with Sucker Punch and they spent a long time talking me through the story, the story of Ghost is really powerful, it's really emotional, it's about culture moving on, it's about this young man who's fighting emotionally, internally with the ghosts of his past and the traditions of his past whilst trying to forge a new way, a new future out of what it is that he's forced to do in order to survive and to save the people he loves and the home that he loves. In that conflict inside of him, these two things tearing apart his soul. That's a very emotionally rich place to write music. And it's a struggle that we see with teenagers and parents, right? And it's a struggle that repeats. It's a cycle where the older people are afraid of change and young people are idealistic and want to see it all done in a new way. So it relates, it resonates on many levels. your workflow like with Shigeru? How did you split up the score? How did that all work? Ume and I collaborated on a Hannibal Lecter movie more years ago than I care to mention. And the way we did it then and the way we did it on Ghost was that we just took different sections and we worked on separate sections. 
we had a sort of guiding principle which I've talked about but we just worked on very different parts of the game and there isn't really as far as I know any place where our music connects you can hear Ume's work in certain places in the game and my work in other places in the game now, like most video games, the tracks are a sonic companion to the narrative of the game. Do you find this to be restricting in any way or more of a challenge slash opportunity? I think every artistic discipline has its own technical challenges. Whether you're writing for the theatre, whether you're writing a ballet, whether you're writing a film or you're writing TV or animation or comedy or whatever it is that you want to do, or a video game, they all present their own distinct technical challenges. At the heart of it, it's the same job because these are just different ways of telling stories, right? And that's the oldest of human art forms. When man first made cave paintings, they were just telling a story, right? And then people started singing songs and they were telling stories. And then those songs became shows and performances and theater and opera and ballet. And, and then one day somebody invented movies, right? And computer games is just the next iteration of that. Of course it has its own technical challenges. from the medium. You can either find those technical challenges annoying and frustrating or you can embrace them and use them in a creative way. And I definitely see them as a creative opportunity and one that hasn't been fully realized. The way in which computer game music is implemented into the game, it deconstructed and reconstructed in the game. I think there's a wealth of creativity still to be invented in that realm. As composers, we write that music so that it can be easily implemented. As you said, you drew inspiration from Japan's nature and its climate and its traditional lifestyle. And the score brings together Japanese music with the symphonic texture. What did you discover in the writing process mixing these diverse elements? Takemitsu, famous Japanese composer, one of the greatest. He wrote a lot of music that used Japanese instruments and used symphony orchestra. And he always said that he didn't feel like it was really possible to combine those two things, they were so different. And so you'd get a bit of orchestra, then you'd get a bit of biwa or shakuhachi, and then you'd get a bit of orchestra, and rarely did they combine. Part of my studying was to study his work and to learn from that great master. I'm a huge fan of his music. And I thought the only way to combine it is to restrict the orchestra.
within the boundaries of the harmonic world of Japanese music. This meant these pentatonic scales. And that's why I made this system of chords. And once I decided that, I pushed the boundaries of what was possible, I suppose. But I was very strict about sticking with the notes that I was allowed to use. And so you'll find that almost every single piece of music picks one pentatonic scale and doesn't really move away from that. There are some exceptions because, you know, what's the point in having rules if you can't throw the rule book out the window once in a while? But for the most part, I just really stuck to that. And so I think as a result, the orchestra, it's embraced Japanese harmony. Elon Eshkari, thanks so much for coming on Score to Screen to discuss your music for A Perfect Planet and Ghost of Tsushima. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah.